Salvete omnes, welcome to the AP Latin Podcast. The goal of this podcast will be to cover the lines from Caesar's De Bello Gallico and Virgil's Aeneid that are found on the AP Latin curriculum. Each two-part episode will cover a selection of lines from Caesar and Virgil. I will present the Latin and English of the text, providing relevant clarification, background, and cultural information that will help put the readings in their proper context. I encourage you to read along with me as you listen to the Latin and to use the English as a way to check your understanding rather than relying on the English for understanding. Each episode will conclude with some essential questions to consider as you process through the meaning of the text. Parati eamos. AP Latin Podcast, Episode 14a, De Bello Gallico, Book 5, Chapters 33 and 34. In this episode, you will see that having no plan whatsoever is exactly how you want to manage the barbarian ambush of your marching line. Cum demum titurius qui nihil ante providisset, trepidare et concursare cohortesque disponere. Haec tamen ipsa timide atque ut eum omnia deficera viderentur, quod plurumque eis acidera consuevit qui in ipso negotio concilium capera coguntur. At cata, qui cogitasset haec posse in itinera acidera, atque ab eam causa profectionis auctor non fuisset, Nulla in re communi saluti deerat, et in appellandis cohortandisque militibus imperatoris et in pugna militis officia praestabat, cum, propter longitudinem agmenis, minus facile omnia per se obira, et quid quoque loco faciendum esset providera possent, userunt pronuntiare ut impedimenta relinquerent, atque in orbem consisterent. Quod concilium etsi in eos modi casu reprehendendum non est, tamen incomode acidit. Nam et nostris militibus spem minuit et hostes ad pugnam alacriores efecit. Quod non sine sumo timore et desperatione id factum videbatur. Praeteria acidit quod fieri necessa erat ut vulgo milites ab signis discederent. Quae quisque eorum carissima haberet ab impedimentis petera atque aripera properaret. Clamore et fletu omnia complerentur. At barbaris concilium non defuit. Nam duces eorum tota acie pronuntiare userunt, ne quis ab loco discederet. Illorum esse praedam atque illis reserari quae cumque romani reliquisent. Proinde omnia in victoria posita existimarent, erant et virtute et numero pugnandi pares. Nostri tametsi abduce et a fortuna deserebantur, tamen omnem spem salutis in virtute ponebant, et quotiens quaeque cohors procurarat, ab ea parte magnus numerus hostium cadebat. Qua re animadversa, Ambiorix pronuntiari jubet ut procu tela coniciant, neopropius acedant, et quamin partem romani impetum fecerent cedant. Levitate armorum et quotidiana exercitatione nihil his noceri posse. Rursus se ad signa recipientes in sequantur. Then finally Titurius, who had foreseen nothing beforehand, was trembling and running around in distributing the cohorts. These things themselves, however, fearfully, and that as a result, everything seemed to fail him, which very often has been accustomed to happen to those who in the business itself are compelled to form a plan. But Cotta, who had considered that this would be able to happen on the journey, and for this reason had not been the originator of the departure, 
was lacking in no matter for the common safety, and in calling and encouraging the soldiers, he was surpassing the responsibilities of a commander, and in battle, those of a soldier. When, because of the length of the marching line, they were less easily able to attend to everything by themselves and to provide for what must be done in each place, they ordered to announce that they abandon the baggage and stand together in a circle. Which plan, although in a calamity of this sort, must not be blamed, nevertheless it turned out disastrously. Or it both lessened hope for our soldiers and brought about enemies more eager for a fight, because not without the greatest fear and desperation did it seem that this was done. In addition, it happened, a thing which was necessary to come about, that soldiers in the crowd were departing from standards. The things which each one of them was holding most dear, he was hurrying to seek and snatch from the baggage. Everything was being filled with shouting and weeping. But for the barbarians, a plan was not lacking, for their generals ordered to announce in the whole battle line that no one should depart from his spot, that the plunder was theirs, and for them was reserved whatever the Romans had left behind. So then they should consider everything placed in victory. They were, both in virtus and enthusiasm for fighting, equals. Our men, although they were deserted by their leader and by fortune, nevertheless they were placing all hope of salvation in virtus. And whenever each cohort had charged forward, from that part a great number of the enemy was falling. When this thing had been noticed, Ambiorix ordered it to be announced that they should throw their weapons at a distance and should not approach too near, and into what part the Romans will have made an attack, they should retreat. Because of the lightness of their arms and daily practice, nothing was able to harm them. And again they should chase after those taking themselves back to the standards. Last time, the Roman forces, in a slow, stretched-out marching column, walked blindly into an ambush. And throughout this whole section, Caesar uses the fight that ensues to set up several contrasts. He contrasts the leadership of Sabinus with that of Cata. He contrasts the discipline of the Gallic and the Roman soldiers. He contrasts Sabinus's fear with the bravery of Cata, of the common soldiers, and of the Gauls. And he contrasts the plan and strategy of the Roman and Gallic commanders. When the trap is sprung, Sabinus had foreseen nothing, and is frantically and fearfully running around trying to respond to the ambush. But as Caesar notes, plans that you have to come up with in the middle of the situation rarely work. Then, with at, a strong conjunction meant to present a contrasting situation, Caesar lets you know about Cotta's behavior, who had thought out possible scenarios, and who went above and beyond his responsibilities as both a commander and as a soldier. In the fight, Caesar reports that many Roman soldiers, despite being ordered to leave the baggage and circle up, were leaving their ranks to grab valuables from the baggage. The Gauls act oppositely. When ordered to hold their position and worry about spoils after the fight, they do so. Caesar further contrasts the Roman and the Gallic response with the statement at barbaris non defuit. By saying this, Caesar implies that a plan was lacking for the Romans by letting you know that a plan was not lacking for the barbarians. Caesar also places Cotta's tactics in response to the ambush under scrutiny, stating that even if they shouldn't be condemned, they were disastrous because of what they did to morale. Contrary to the Roman commanders, Ambiorix is portrayed as a commander confidently in charge of his army, issuing orders that are followed and responding to the changing tides of battle in a quick and competent way. The parallel usage on both the Roman and the Gallic side of the phrase, ordered to announce, emphasizes that both sides are in command of forces spread out over a long distance, Ambiorix managing his two-sided ambush, and Sabinus and Cotta with their extended marching line, such that they can't give their orders directly to everyone. Where the Romans react by consolidating their forces into a circle because they can't manage all parts of the battle at once, 
Ambiorix seems more comfortable with sending his orders and trusting that they will be obeyed. Tactically, Ambiorix makes a calculated adjustment to the Romans who are killing Gauls with their charges. He has his own forces retreat in the face of charges and attack when the Romans return to their standards, all while throwing javelins at a distance. It is as though in this battle the roles have reversed, where the Gauls become the Roman army with a strong plan, sound tactics, a smart commander, and well-disciplined soldiers. And the Romans are the undisciplined, fearful army, a role typically reserved for the Gauls. And the predictable result that we have seen so often, where the Romans quickly defeat the Gauls who give up or act cowardly, flips on its head. The one place where Caesar does not draw a contrast is in his description of the behavior of the soldiers in the fight. Here he draws comparisons. Both groups of soldiers exhibit virtus and studium in their fighting. Through this, he makes it clear that he is looking towards the leadership as responsible for the behavior of the soldiers under their command. Sabinus and Cotta order it to be announced that the Romans leave their baggage and form a circle. Instead, many desert their standards to grab valuables from the baggage train, and Caesar says that this was bound to happen, because the leadership has not instilled proper discipline in the soldiers. Even though Caesar minimizes the blame placed on Cotta, he still doesn't completely absolve him of fault. Ambiorix orders it to be announced that everyone hold their places and not look to spoils until the battle is finished, and everyone obeys because of the discipline instilled by their commander and their daily training. Caesar also mentions that the Roman soldiers fought bravely, despite Fortuna deserting them. Fortuna was both a concept and a goddess, and Caesar has garnered over the years a reputation for having a special relationship with fortune. Later biographers such as Plutarch and Suetonius, and writers such as Lucan, placed upon Caesar almost supernatural luck and his belief in Fortuna the goddess as a guiding force and on his side as his patron. Caesar almost certainly took advantage of any chance to make the associations with Fortuna that arose alongside his victories. Fortuna and Felicitas were both terms applied to successful generals, including the dictator Sulla, who was called Sulla Felix. But whether Caesar actively spread the idea of his connection to Fortuna during his campaigns is another issue, and one debated in Caesarian scholarship. For some scholars, Caesar uses the presence of Fortuna to present himself in the best possible light. Some see it as a way for Caesar to show his quick responses and setbacks and misfortunes. Some argue that Caesar's status as Pontifex Maximus enabled him to use Fortuna as a literary tool with some authority. Finally, some argue that Caesar uses Fortuna, especially in episodes that feature his subordinates, emphasizing their need for reliance on luck where he need only rely on his skill as a commander. Even if it is not a specific mention of the goddess Fortuna, the point stands that the Romans had bad luck in the fight. And the mention of Fortuna in this section does seem to strongly hint at the implication that if Caesar had been present, the events might have turned out differently. But Caesar is not there, and so we will see how the battle progresses next time. As we close out the episode, here are some essential questions to consider. How does Caesar contrast the leadership of Sabinus and the leadership of Cotta? How does Caesar portray the Roman soldiers' lack of discipline during the battle? What role does the desire for possessions play on each side of the battle? How does Caesar present the conduct of the Roman soldiers in comparison with the conduct of their leaders? How does Caesar portray Ambiorix's leadership and battle strategy? Why do you think he chose to highlight Ambiorix's qualities as a skilled commander and leader? Gratias ago pro auscultando, valete.